Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. This episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is sponsored by Made With Love Pregnancy Journals. Made With Love is a complete pregnancy journal designed to be used right from the decision to try and conceive. Best known for the little white book wedding planner, Megan Hutchinson created Made With Love with the help of mothers, fathers and a midwife to ensure it was perfectly designed for every stage of the journey to parenthood. She wrote it while pregnant herself, customising each week's pages with an understanding of the specific stage of pregnancy the user would be going through. Made with Love is comprehensive with regular checklists throughout. Plenty of extra pages for photos and notes, dedicated partner's notes, LMC and scan appointment pages, baby shopping and hospital bag checklists, antenatal appointments, records and reflections post-birth. It is suitable for all couples, including those using any kind of fertility assistance. Available via shesaidyes.co.nz at Dimples, Global Baby or Google Made With Love Pregnancy Journal for more stockists. Thanks so much Meg from Made With Love for coming on board and sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I really appreciate your support. In this week's episode of the podcast I speak with Julia Matthews about the birth of her son Lenny. Julia takes us through her pregnancy journey and Lenny measuring about four weeks ahead consistently throughout her whole pregnancy then the decision to have an elective caesarean after being told that Lenny would be around 5 kilos at birth. Julia then takes us through her elective C-section and little Lenny's arm being unfortunately broken as he was pulled out during the caesarean. She takes us through how they managed that process post-birth and then into her postpartum journey. So it's a really interesting episode. Julia is super honest and yeah, it was just really lovely to chat with her. So I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I do. Let's jump into it. Hi, Julia. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Jordan. (laughs) Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Yeah, sure. Um, My name's Julia. I am uh, a mum of one. I have a five-week-old son called Lenny, um, and I live in Auckland with my partner, Cam. Yeah, awesome. And I think, um, I mean, I've been following you on Instagram for ages, so I know a little bit about your business, but do you want to tell us a little bit more about Two Islands before we jump into it? Yeah, sure. Um, I have a company called Two Islands. Um, My background's nutrition. So it's a food company and we have supplements. So we've got um, plant-based proteins and marine collagens, and we're just about to launch our first dietary supplement um, next week, actually. Uh, So I've had that business now for two and a half years. Um, Yeah, and I I do that full time um, and I absolutely love it. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And I um, saw on your Instagram, I guess, a while ago now that you had gone through the egg freezing process. So do you want to talk us through that decision and sort of that journey before we jump into your pregnancy? Yeah, sure. Uh, So when I was actually living in Sydney and studying nutrition, I, uh, when when I was studying the fertility part, learnt um, all about fertility and, and pregnancy and um, learned about something, uh, a test that you could get done to test, I guess, your egg stores. Because um, once for females, once your eggs are gone, they're gone. And I was just interested in, I guess, being my own guinea pig. So I went and had the test done myself and learned that at age 28, I had the egg count of a 38-year-old. So I was like, okay, I've got I've got low egg count. Um, and I knew I wanted to have children. And... Um, and I was in a relationship at the time, actually, but 
I broke up with him not long after, moved mm-hmm. back home to New Zealand. Um, and I kind of thought about it again. So I went and had the test done again, the blood test done again. And I um, still had really low air count. Yeah. So I went and saw Fertility Associates um, in, in Auckland and spoke to one of the doctors there about my options. And she said, um, I would highly recommend that you freeze your eggs if you're wanting to have children. She said, you know, it's not that you can't get pregnant. It's that, you know, if you want one, two or three children, um, by the time maybe you get to your second or your third, you could potentially not have any eggs left. So I started on, um, I was like, cool, yeah, I want to do it. I want to freeze my eggs and started that whole process. So um, it's not as uh, intense as I maybe thought it would be. Um, It was just taking, I guess, medication um, and then starting the injections. So it took me a really long time to, to actually ovulate. So I had to take um, inject myself for a lot longer than um, you normally would. But when I did eventually get time to um, harvest the eggs, um, when my follicles were a certain size, I ended up getting 16 eggs out, which was great. Um, And 12 of them were mature enough to be frozen. So, I mean, when I went first and saw the doctor, she was like, oh, we'll probably be lucky if we'll get, you know, maybe two eggs um, so getting as many as I did was fantastic. Um, yeah, so that, that was yeah. that. <laughs> I highly yeah. recommend that to anyone. Um, you know, um, if you're, you know, thinking about having children, but you're not quite ready yet and you, are, you know, I'm, I'm 34 now, I've just turned 34 now. Um, but I knew at, you know, 28 that I had really low air count and, you know, I've spoken to women who, like I wish I knew about this test because if mm. I had known, I potentially would have been able to have children, and and they've got to the point where they've got no eggs left, and they and they can't have children, which is so sad. When you yeah. know you can know what your egg count is, um, you know it's it's not exact, um, but you can have an idea of what it is just by having a simple blood test. You know, you go to your doctor, you say you want your AMH levels tested, um, they write your script, you go to lab tests, and I think it's about eighty dollars. Um, and from there, you kind of have an idea. I mean, I did the test twice, and both times my levels were really low. So, if yeah. you are thinking about having children, but you're not in a relationship, or maybe you are in a relationship, um, it's. I mean, it, for me, I call it like my insurance policy. I'm, I'm yeah. so glad that I did it. So I've got those eggs sitting there, you know, just in case I do get to maybe you know 38 and I want a you know second or third child. Um, and I didn't have any eggs left, then I'd have the ones sitting there in the freezer to to use. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And so will they just sort of stay there? Do you pay to keep them in the freezer or how does that work? Yeah. So um, you do pay to keep them in the freezer. Um, I pay, I think, every six months or something. Um, yeah. God, I, can't, I can't remember how much. It's not a, a massive amount. Um, yeah. Yeah, but but you and you can have them there for as long as you want. So and the the fees actually come down. You know what I what I paid was um, especially because I had to take the medication for a lot longer, so that added more cost on. But I think it's come down to around ten thousand um, dollars. I mean, yeah. New Zealand's probably one of the most expensive places to freeze yeah. your eggs. I know in Australia you can do it, and it's probably quarter of the price, or maybe even more than that. Um, but you don't have to pay it all up front. Um, and I mean, you can't really put a price on, on a child, can you? So, um, I I definitely, I definitely save my pennies to get that done. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And so fast forward to, I guess, um, a year or so ago, and do you want to talk us through, or nine, just over nine months ago, um, do you want to talk us (laughs) through what the journey to pregnancy was like for you? Yeah. So I had been in a relationship with, uh, cam for oh maybe six months um yeah we found out we were pregnant i we knew that we both wanted children and we're i mean he's 41 and i'm i've just turned 34 so we're like, okay time's not really on our side um it wasn't a planned pregnancy um but we weren't exactly being careful so 
Um, it's actually a barley baby and and, um yeah so it was it was a surprise but not really a surprise because you know yeah if you're not thinking these things can happen um so yeah grateful that I didn't I didn't have to have to use any of the eggs it just kind of um happened naturally which was really nice um yeah 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 cool and how did you sort of find out that you were pregnant did you miss a period or you had other symptoms that made you think you might be yeah, well, my my cycle was usually very, um, like, I was usually really on time. I have a really short yeah. cycle, so around every, every, like, 23 days I would expect my period. And it was maybe late by a few days, but I didn't actually even think about that. It was um, that week I felt a little bit all nauseous, and I'm not really one to get headaches or kind of feel sick. And I just thought, oh, maybe I've eaten something funny or I'm, I'm tired, and I just – didn't really think any more of that. Then I was at lunch with a girlfriend um, when we were we were sitting in the sun drinking chili margaritas, and <laughs> I was like, "Oh my!" I was like, "My boobs are really sore," and she was like, "You're pregnant," and I was like, "No, no, I'm not." And then I was like, "Actually, I haven't been feeling that great." And I was like, checked my app that I use to track my cycle, and I was like, oh, "My period! It's three days late," and I was like, "Okay." maybe I am, maybe I am. And then we were talking more about it. And I was like, oh, I, th- I think I am. Um, and so we went to another place and had, had more cocktails. <laughs> and then we went back to my house and I was like, okay, I need to do a pregnancy test. So we went and got um, three tests and it was just her and I at my house. And I did one and um, it was positive. And I was like, no. And I was like, it can't be, it can't be right. And then by then Cam had come home and I didn't tell him though. And I did another test and it was positive. And I was like, okay, I need to tell him. So I pulled him into the bathroom and I was like, look at this. And he was like, oh my God. And he was jumping up and down. He was really excited. And I think I was kind of in shock. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that was it. So um, yeah. it was very casual finding out that I was pregnant. Yeah. Did you feel like... I remember when I did the test and even though I knew that it was like probable that I was going to be pregnant, I still felt like a teenager that like really shouldn't be pregnant. I just had this like shocked, like heart racing feeling. How did you feel? (laughs) That's exactly how I felt. And I was, I was in denial, but I was also like, well, this this has to be real. Like there's, I put put all these things together and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm pregnant, but it was just so surreal um and then I got really excited and I called like you know people where I was four weeks pregnant um you know I, I I could count trace back to when I last had my period and people usually wait till you know the first trimester but I told so many of my friends I was like excited yeah. and I think for me that made it more real because I was still like, yeah. this is not real. Okay, I'm going to tell people, and then that makes yeah. it more real. So, um, yeah. <laughs> called like uh, Cam's brother and and sister, um, and Cam's brother and partner, who they were pregnant at the same time, and then called my best friend Anna and told her, and um, then went to my parents' house. I think the next night, and and told them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, awesome. And how were you feeling in that first trimester? Did you have many symptoms that sort of popped up after that? Yeah, I didn't feel that flash. It was, you know, it's that that people say it's morning sickness, but then people are like, yeah. well, it's not. It's all day sickness, and it really was. Yeah. It was wake up and feel so nauseous. Um, luckily, I didn't. I maybe vomited twice, so grateful for that because you know you yeah. hear some horror stories of people who just uh, sick their whole way through. So didn't feel flash, but battled through it, um, and would get really tired in the afternoon, and my brain would kind of switch off. So. I would end up going home early, um, just ate everything beige, rest home diet, as I called it, um, <laughs> all the carbs. The thought of a salad made me feel, yeah. like literally make me gag. I lived yeah. off burgers. So bur- it was either Burger Fuel or McDonald's. I would eat yeah. kind of on the, re- on the regular. <laughs> um, I was like, this poor yeah. baby, I'm supposed to be eating all this good all this good stuff. And I was like, it's the size of a, ri- a grain of rice. It's not really it's going to get everything it needs from my stores. So, um, yeah, yeah, didn't, didn't feel great, but, um, knew it could be a lot worse. So I just kind of battled through it. And that lasts probably till about, it kind of died down a little bit in the second trimester, but there were still days I'd feel really awful and and got 
quite tired. And then probably around 24, 26 week mark, um, it all went and I felt great. Like I felt really good and like physically and mentally I felt great. So, and I was really yeah. happy. Like I actually got a bump. I was like, okay, I'm past that stage of looking <laughs> like I've eaten too many pies and I actually looked good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and that was really yeah. nice to actually start. I'm not really one to wear tight clothes, but I was like, oh, I was like buying like tight dresses and I was, yeah. I was quite enjoying having a bump and I do actually really miss it now because <laughs> it was kind of nice um yeah yeah to have it there so yeah it was great when I started feeling good so that was around you know like the 26 week mark that um that kind of all day sickness and real lethargic feeling went away did you manage to stay quite active throughout your pregnancy or how did you find sort of exercising yeah the first I mean, when I felt sick, I was like, there's no way I'm going for a walk. Um, so the times when I did feel good, I really um, took advantage of that and worked out. So I was going to Pilates for a little bit. And I, I mean, I've got a dog, so I'm very mindful of her needing a walk every day. So that was kind of my motivation. I was like, okay, Penelope needs to be walked. She needs to be walked. So when I, I mean, when I got into the yeah, when the sickness went away, I was back to exercising, you know, five days a week. And then towards the end, uh, in my third trimester, I um, had a personal trainer and I would see her twice a week. But then, of course, there was yeah. lockdown. So, um, yeah, true. <laughs> it, it was kind of after lockdown had finished that I really utilized the personal trainer because I didn't really want to work out. I didn't really, wasn't yeah. really motivated to, which is why I was like, okay, I'm not going to hit the gym by myself so um get a trainer and then just continued to walk as much as I could until I was you know sometimes going for like hour and a half walks and then it got to the point maybe I was maybe like 36 weeks and I was like okay I can't I can't do this anymore (laughs) no more no more long walks I'll just go for a little half an hour (laughs) one here and there um, but yeah, it's, it's hard, you know, when you're not feeling great, you feel like you should, you know, it's of course great to keep active um, for your physical and mental health. But at the times when you should be eating really well and you should be moving your body is the times that you just don't feel great. So it's a real internal battle um, that I had with myself of kind of trying not to feel guilty um, for not exercising and then also like okay no you're you're growing a baby give yourself a break but then also yeah you're growing a baby so you should be exercising so it's something that I had to kind of give myself pep talks just like get yeah. over it Julia sit down it's okay <laughs> yeah yeah awesome and what sort of um testing did you choose to do in your pregnancy did you do sort of all the standard testing that's offered in New Zealand yeah all the standard testing and I mean I was because uh, I didn't, I wasn't excited um, to be pregnant, I think, because it wasn't planned. Um, and I just didn't feel, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I just didn't get that really excited feeling um, or, or that real nesting or like nurturing or like talking to my baby. I didn't kind of get that. So I was like, okay, maybe if I find out the sex, then I'll be like, hello, and we'll talk to him or her. So I did the 10-week, the I think it's called the NIPT test, um, the, one that, the one that you can do at 10 weeks to find out the sex. So I did that, um, really wanted a girl, found out I was having a boy, cried, called my, called my best friend who's got twin boys, and she was like, oh, no, penis is a way so much easier to deal with. Um, <laughs> and she was like, no, having a boy is great. So, um, yeah. No, I'm, I I got over that pretty quick. I was like, don't be silly, Julie. I think I had all girl names picked out. And so for me, yeah. that was kind of my way of being excited because I was like, I've got a name and girls' clothes are really cute. And then I was like, it's like having a boy. And I was like, oh, God. Um, but yeah. no, I I soon really got off over that because all of my friends, uh, bar one, have boys. So <laughs> it was um, nice. And I was like, give me all the tips. And um, yeah, 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 so I did that. I did that 10 week test and then um, because the baby, because Lenny was tracking so big, um, they, uh, you know, midwives and doctors were like, oh, you've probably got diabetes. Um, so they were like, you need to do the diabetes test, which I, I didn't actually know that you don't actually have to do. I thought you had yeah. to do that. Um, so I did that and that was really awful. Had to do that during lockdown as well. Um, mm. 
And yeah, that was that was a horrible test. But no, it didn't have gest- gestational diabetes. So yeah, I did everything. Had all my ultrasounds when I was supposed to. Um, yeah, yeah, awesome. And were you with a midwife or an obstetrician? Yeah, I chose a midwife. Absolutely love yeah. her. Um, saw, saw her today. Yeah, love my midwife. She's fantastic. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And did you do any antenatal classes or sort of birth education before your labour? And um, we found uh, we were booked into an antenatal class, um, and then lockdown happened, so it got cancelled. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing the hatched. Um, I think, yeah, by Carmen. Um, ended up doing that online, which was really really interesting. Learned learned so much. I didn't know there were phases to labour and um, and all of that. I mean, the antenatal classes typically really focus on. Um, going into labor and having like a vaginal birth I, uh, there's not much covered for cesareans which i uh, and which I, which I found really interesting um and i didn't you know i didn't you know i ended up having a cesarean and i didn't think i would have one so i didn't even think about that i was like okay this is great i've got all the tips everything i need to know about labor and then i ended up booking in for a c-section so i was like oh okay i don't actually know a hell of a lot about them like because you don't learn much yeah. of, much about them in yeah. um, the international class but no it was fantastic um, and really nice to be able to do it online and go through at your own pace and go through and listen yeah. to things again um, I really enjoyed that and yeah. I didn't read anything else so I thought my kind of um, way I, I looked at pregnancy I don't like to really overthink things too much and I thought okay my midwife's going to tell me everything I need to know all the really important stuff and all the you have to know this information, my midwife is going to tell me. Um, yep. And I thought, I thought, kind of thought, the less I know or the less I read, the better, because every birth is so different. And yeah. I didn't want to read one thing and think in my head that that was how things would happen for me. Yeah. Um, I got a hypnobirthing book and I probably read one chapter and I was like, this is too good to be true. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, was like, I, I didn't, again, want to set myself up and have expectations yeah. of being able to have a birth like like that um, and set myself up for disappointment. I mean, that was just how yeah. I thought about things, yeah. but I know people that have gone down that route and done hypnobirthing classes and didn't end up having ended up having a cesarean but found things really helpful in that but my kind of thing was like okay everything I need to know my midwife's going to tell me and anything else can be a surprise yeah yeah awesome and so you said that you ended up booking in for a cesarean do you want to take us through how you ended up at that point Mm, yeah so the whole way along um well I guess especially when I got to like from 20 week scan onwards um Lenny was always tracking four weeks ahead um and a lot of people were like oh scans are really they're, they're not mm. accurate he won't he won't be that far ahead but it was consistent every single time he was mm-hmm. measuring four weeks ahead. so I was like okay maybe I'm gonna have a really big baby and when I got to my 34 week scan I think it was um maybe 36 week scan actually yeah 36 week scan he was tracking um, to be, they thought, maybe around the five kilo mark. Yeah. Um, and they were like, okay, you'll need to wait till you have your 38-week scan and then we can kind of make a plan. So I, at the 36-week mark, I sat down with my midwife and we chatted the birth plan and I was like, please book me into birth care. I would love to have a water birth. Um and I knew, it, you know, at birth care that you can't have any pain relief. So I was like, if I'm there and can't have pain relief, I'm not going to be able to ask for it because I can't have it. So that's why I was like, okay, I want, I would love, love if I can to have a water birth. I've been watching lots of water, water births on um, YouTube. And I was like, I can do that. I can totally do that. Um, so booked, booked into birth care. And that was kind of my plan. But my whole pregnancy, I've been really open to anything happening because, yeah a lot of people have birth plans and they don't go to plan and, and they get really disappointed. So I didn't want that. I thought if I, if I can, I'll book into birth care, have the baby there. Um, and that would be lovely. But if anything else happens, anything else happens. So when I had my scan and they said, right, okay, your baby's five kilos. Once your baby gets to the five kilo mark, um, you can elect for a C-section. And so I had a really good chat to my midwife 
Um, and she said, well, these are all the risks. If you have a big baby and you push a big baby out, this is what yep. can happen. Um, or you can have a C-section and this is also what can happen if you have a C-section. And these are also things that can happen. I spoke to lots of friends um, and I spoke to a few people who had had big babies and pushed them out and heard some of their stories. And for me, that was kind of enough to go, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I I would prefer to have a C-section. And it it wasn't really a massively hard decision to make because I just thought I – I don't want to risk pushing him out and him getting stuck and then ending up, ending up having an emergency C-section anyway. So yeah. because he was tracking so big, they didn't want me to go to full term. Mm. So they said, regardless, we would induce you anyway. And I really didn't want to, well, I wanted to avoid big induce if I could because, yep. again, a lot of people I'd spoken to who had been induced ended up having emergency C-sections. Um and yeah, it was just kind of, I spoke to a lot of people um, and kind of thought, okay, I think this is the best option for me. And yeah, I'm really glad that I did go down that route. Cause when, um, after I'd had Lenny, I spoke to the obstetrician, he was like, there's no way you would have been able to push that baby out. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> great. But yeah, it's, it's something I, I never thought I would do. I was like, I'm not having a C-section. Um, you know, I, I really want to try and push his baby out. You know, that was in the beginning of my pregnancy, but when he was tracking back, I was like, okay, no, C-section is um, the best option. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And so you were booked in. Do you want to take us through sort of the pressure preparation for that day and then how the day sort of played out? Yeah, sure. So once I said to my midwife, cool, yeah, I would like a C-section. She then, um, she works with a few obstetricians and she got me booked in to have, I guess, kind of like a pre-op, um, pre-op meeting or chat with an obstetrician. And he ran me through and was like, this is, these, again, he kind of did what my midwife did and said, these are the risks, risks um, to pushing a big baby out. And if you want to have a C-section, this is what happens. And I said, yep, no, I definitely would like a C-section. He said, okay, cool. Well, we're going to book you in for 30, when you're 39 weeks. And I was like, great. Um, and then that was kind of it. And then I received a few phone calls from Auckland Hospital. Um, and they just gave me information I need, like what time I had to turn up on the day. So when I was 39 weeks, it was a Friday. Um, and I knew I had to be at the hospital at 7 a.m. I was booked in to be the second. I was, I was second on the list to be booked in. I didn't actually know who my obstetrician was until the day. Yeah. Um, and so I went to the hospital, Cam and I went to the hospital at 7am and I got into my beautiful gown. Um, but then we came up, we had a bit of a, um, a scare because the midwife, my midwife came in, Carly, and she was like, there's a bit of a bedlock. Um, and that had happened because there were lots of, uh, must have been lots of emergency C-sections the night before. So they didn't have enough beds. And they were like, we don't actually know if you can have your baby today and so I was like oh so you're kidding me because if I hadn't had been able to have him on that Friday it would have had to be the following Monday and I was like oh no this can't happen I, I'm, I'm so ready I'm ready to have him today um and, and luckily a, a bed became available but unfortunately everyone behind me on the list got cancelled which I was got that would have been so awful um so there was a lot of waiting around and yeah, it was kind of, that's when I got a little bit nervous, all the yeah. waiting around at the hospital, not not knowing exactly when I was going to go in. And I just didn't really, I knew what to expect, but I, I don't think anything can really prepare you for like walking into, yeah. walking into theatre. It's just sterile and bright and there's equipment everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I walked in and I was kind of like, oh my God. And they're like, okay, get down on the bed and put your chin to your chest and we're going to put your spinal in, which these are all things that I knew were going to happen because I, I chatted to all the doctors beforehand. But, yeah, I don't think anything could prepare you for walking into theatre. But yeah. everyone was so lovely and, you know, any questions you had, they would answer them and, you know, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. And my midwife was there, so that was really reassuring and comforting to see her. Um, and... Yeah, then had the spinal put in, had the little ice test, 
um, and yeah, away we go. I was like, don't tell me when you're going to start. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know when you're going to come, come me off. And, yeah. um, and so everyone was kind of chatting to me and then all of a sudden things were happening. And because Lenny um, was so big, the obstetrician, the, the babies, they get their head obviously comes out first and then they usually pull both the shoulders out and the shoulders are usually the same width as the head, but they pulled Lenny's head out and they were like, okay, no, his shoulders aren't going to come out. So they pulled him uh, one shoulder out and then at, at one time and they went to pull the second shoulder out and his um, arm was stuck behind my pelvis. Mm. So when they pulled when they pulled him out, the obstetrician goes, oh, I heard a click. I think your baby's arm has broken. And I was kind of on the table and I'd been heaving, trying not to vomit because it was just so, there's so much pressure. Yeah. Um, obviously it doesn't hurt, but it's all that pressure. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was in a little bit of la-la land. Um, and I, you know, I heard, the, I, I asked for the drapes to be put down. Yeah. Um, and they, they put the drapes down. So I saw him being pulled out. Um, but it was, God, it was just such a blur. And then they sent him away um, for an x-ray um, when I was in recovery. But I spoke to my midwife and I was like, I would love a gentle section. Um, so I was like, I would love delayed core clamping. You know, can you have the drapes down? Can I have skin to skin straight away? Um, and that was all kind of the plan. But then when his arm broke, mm. I they took straight away just to clean him up and and weigh him and check his arm because the obstetrician was like I think it's broken I heard a click mm. um but I'm not 100% sure and then when they checked him over they were like yeah his his arm was kind of all floppy so I got to have a little cuddle with him um when they were um sewing me back up and then they wheeled me to recovery um and then they sent him away with Cam and he had an x-ray and yeah they they brought him back and they were like, oh yeah, that's a good break. So his um, humerus was like, it was like a clean cut, yeah. like the bone snapped completely in half. Um, yeah. So it was a, a crazy entrance into the world for him um, and, and a little bit scary, but I mean, you're in, you're in hospital, you are in the best place you can be for something like that to happen. Um, so yeah, comp- a completely different birth to what I had thought would, thought would happen, <laughs> but um, you know, I'm, you know, happy with how everything went, happy that I chose a C-section and then, um, you know, so grateful for the amazing, amazing um, hospital care that we have in New Zealand and how lovely everyone was and kind and kept me informed every, you know, every step of the way yeah. um, from when I was in the theatre and, and everything that was happening with Lenny and the baby doctors were so lovely. Yeah, so that was... That was Lenny's little entrance into the world. <laughs> yeah. And how did Cam go? Did he watch um, Lenny being born or how did he find your C-section? Yeah, he's, um, he was like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't really want to look. Um, yeah. He was a little squirmish, but something in him just flipped. Yeah. And standing up, taking, I've got some incredible photos of yeah. Lenny being pulled out. Um, really cool photos. <laughs> um yeah, so Cam was standing up and had the camera as well, close as he could. <laughs> yeah, taking photos and then, but then at the same time, like trying to hold my hand, and yeah. it just happens. It happens so quickly, yeah. and it is just such a. I'm really glad that he um, that he brought his camera in and, and and felt like he could stand up and take photos. So yeah, yeah, um, awesome. yeah, it was yeah, good good to have him there for sure, and really nice to have the support. Yeah, yeah, cool. And how did you go? So obviously they take Lenny for an X-ray and then bring him back to you. So did you have your first latch then? And do you want to talk us through sort of the next couple of hours after that? Yeah, I did. So in in recovery, I didn't um, perhaps realize. I mean, all the doctors are like, "Look, his arm is broken, but it's going to heal. He's okay." Yeah. Um, and I didn't perhaps realize. I think uh, everything was happened so quickly, and I was quite out of it, I guess, um, that I didn't maybe realize how painful it was yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, and he was still quite sleepy and he was so jaundiced. Um, and cause he was such a big baby, he was just yeah really sleepy. So I, when I was in recovery, had, um, my first latch and it was quite tricky to feed him cause I had to be mindful of his arm yeah. and trying to touch it and trying to 
get him in the right position. Um, so yeah, first latch there and then I was wheeled through to my room and he was asleep. He just didn't really want to get on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> I would put him on and he would just fall asleep straight away. So yeah, big boys, I, I up, yeah, yeah. I ended up having to pump and feed yeah. him through um, a, what's it called? A, a little tube. Syringe? Um, a syringe, thank yeah. you. Okay. <laughs> I ended up having to feed him through a syringe. Um, yeah, for we ended up staying in hospital for three nights because yeah. of his arm. They just wanted to kind of keep um, yeah. monitor it, and I really wanted the help. Um, yeah. So ended up staying for three nights, and yeah, pumping and feeding him through a syringe, but then also trying to feed him um, directly on my breast. But it was yeah, he just would fall asleep, yeah. and he would go hours without wanting to be fed. So it was trying to wake him up and feeding him, just putting the syringe into his mouth. Um, and my milk came in probably, yeah, I think on, on the third day and I was pumping and getting a lot a lot out, which was great. So I was able to feed him, feed him lots because he was hungry, but it was just trying to get him awake to feed him properly. So, um, yeah, after three nights in hospital, I was like, I definitely want to go to birth care because I would like, I wanted help, um, the midwives to help. Even though you get help in the hospital, it's either a midwife or a nurse. And um, it's, I, you know, I was really mindful of the hospitals um, being so busy. So I was almost like, I don't want to constantly get someone to come to have, to come to my room and, um, and help me. So, and there was a lactation consultant who came in on the last day who was fantastic as well. And it's, you know, really interesting everyone has all the midwives and nurses had different ways of how they wanted things done. Um, you know, it, I, I wasn't even sure how much to feed Lenny through a syringe and everyone had different kind of ideas. So that was, um, I found that quite challenging and almost a little bit stressful, not knowing if I was feeding him enough or was I feeding him too much or how often I had to feed him. Some midwives were saying feed him on demand and some were saying, no, you need to wake him up. And feed him every two hours or every four hours. So it was all lots of different information and I didn't really know what was right or what was wrong or if anything was right or anything was wrong. And um because he was just so, so unbelievably sleepy and he was on pain meds, which that knocked him out even more. Yeah. Um I you know, if I was to feed him on demand, he would have gone the whole day without feeding because yeah. he just was asleep the whole time it took, him, it took him like a good two weeks to kind of really um really wake up so yeah. yeah feeding feeding was a little challenging I would definitely say that yeah and how did you find it when you left birth care and sort of came home and obviously your whole life has changed with this new little baby and yeah how did you find that yeah, so birth care was fantastic. The midwives were just incredible. Yeah. They were like, every single time you feed, you call us, we'll be there every single time. And they didn't make you kind of feel like a burden. So yeah. it was fantastic having their help and their support. And I almost wanted to stay longer there, but because I'd already been in hospital for three nights, I was just, I was, I just want my own bed. Yeah. So I organized um, with my midwife, she came in to visit me at birth care a few times and she organized with a lactation consultant to come and see me cool. um, because I think, uh, you know, cause my boobs, I've already got big boobs and they were just giant yeah. and he wasn't able to properly latch. So we think it was a combination of my boobs being really giant and also um, him just being quite sleepy, mm. um, not able to latch properly. And then, I was quite stressed when I knew that I had to go home. Well, when I knew I was going home, even though it was my tr decision to go home because I wanted my own bed, I was just a bit worried. I was like, oh, what if I'm not going to be able to feed him and I'm going to have to keep pumping? And um, But I was like, you know, if I need to put him on formula, that I'm absolutely fine with that. I would rather have a happy full baby than um, be trying to fuss around and get him to feed on my boobs. Yeah. So, But I really wanted to persist with breastfeeding. Um, so got home and I was just pumping and again, kept feeding him through a syringe, but then also trying to get him to feed, but he would just get quite agitated and just wasn't able to latch properly. And then um, 
my best friend came over, Anna, and she was like, why don't you try a nipple shield? And I was like, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Mm. I'd never know what a nipple shield was. And it just happened that one of my friends who gave me a whole bag full of baby stuff, she she had nipple shields that she never used. And she was um, had one in the bag. And I was like, that's right, Sophie's, Sophie had, has given me one. So I put it on and he latched straight Ooh. away. And I wanted to cry. I was so happy. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I can feed my baby. This is this is the best so um and we sent Cam we sent Cam away straight away to go to the chemist to go to the pharmacy and get uh one that was um the correct size because the one I had was a little bit small so for me that was an absolute game changer and it just helped me feel so at ease and also pumping is um you know even though it was great to be able to pump it was just getting quite taxing I was like oh don't want to have to be doing this all day if I if I don't have to. So grateful to have the nipple shield, but then again, he was still really sleepy, falling asleep on the boob. So I was having to top him up um, fifty mils after each feed. Um, uh, yeah, I would just pump in the morning when I had lots of milk, and I was able to get um, enough milk for the whole day just from one pump. So, and he took a bottle straight away, which was great um, to, get, to be able to top him up. And there were some nights where I wasn't able to get enough milk. So I gave him formula. So I'd give him uh, formula at night before bed. So he had a nice full tummy and he was um, able to sleep because he was happy because he was full. So breastfeeding, challenging. It still kind of is. I haven't had to use the nipple shield now all week, which has been so great. Yeah, yeah, he's been um, just feeding, but my milk just he guzzles yeah. and it just shoots out and he he starts choking and uh-huh. um, I'm still able to, not able to feed him properly on one side just because his because his arm was broken yes um, yeah. the muscles in his shoulder are really tight so he can't fully put his shoulder down on one side so I'm getting the lactation consultant to come back next week um and I actually took him to the osteo today which was incredible um and she did a lot of work on him. So I'm hoping he'll have a really nice long sleep tonight. (laughs) Nice and relaxed from the osteo. So yeah, breastfeeding challenging, definitely persisting with it. Um, And then yeah, really great to have the formula at night because he is just so hungry Um, to give him the formula at night and give him a big, really big feed. So yeah, that's my little breastfeeding journey. It's definitely, uh, I thought, I thought it would come so naturally. And I think, you know, that's kind of what you're maybe led to believe. I'm not sure that's what I, I knew it wasn't easy for everyone. Um, but I just thought it would be a lot easier than it was. And, you know, um, I think, you know, having the lactation consultant, which a lot of people don't know that you can, I mean, I think it depends on what DHB you are with, but, um, I know with Auckland, you can organize to have a lactation consultant come to your house and it's completely free of charge. Um, and when the lactation consultant came to my house, she was, I think she was with me for about three hours. <laughs> she was, she was so great. And that helped immensely just positioning and little things that little changes that I made that had such a massive improvement. Um, and it just takes that anxiety away because, you know, when they start fussing and they start screaming or crying because they're not able to latch properly, that can be quite stressful. So it's just trying to, um, you know, just, like, just remain calm and, and, and lots of, t- especially for even burping. I didn't know before I had a baby, I didn't know you had to burp a baby. <laughs> um, and because Lenny just guzzles or my milk comes out really fast, he gets so windy. Um, so even like little tips on how to burp them, which was so helpful. All these little things um, I just didn't know before I had a baby. Yeah, I don't think that you can. I mean, I was a similar position. I knew that you had to burp babies and I, I didn't realize it was like every time that you feed them that you have to burp them. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I didn't, that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And what was your physical recovery like from your C-section? Um. Yeah, you know, I th- I thought it would be a lot more challenging, yeah. and I know uh, not not everyone is in the same position that I was, but I really I think maybe because in my head I thought it would be really hard, 
um, when it wasn't, I was quite pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, I, as soon as my spinal kind of wore, wore off, I got up straight away and I did a lap around the hospital ward. I tried to every like one or two hours um, do a lap around the ward and I was really scared of getting blocked up because yeah. everyone says, yeah, yeah. take Kiwi Crash to the hospital, take Kiwi <laughs> Crash to the hospital. So I, I was just eating so many Kiwi fruit um, and trying not to take too many pain meds because yeah. I was just like really worried. Um, so I didn't quite utilize the morphine pump as much as I possibly could have. Um, but I, yeah, it just wasn't as, as painful as I thought it would be. So I think for me getting up and walking around straight straight away was really great. And then Cam stayed with me in the hospital. So having him there to um, pass Lenny to yeah. me when he needed to be fed or because Lenny was, and um, we were feeding him through a syringe, having Cam kind of get up and do that um, in the night um, or, or in the daytime if I was lying in bed um, was really great. And then we have a co-sleeper, um, a little bassinet next um, in our bedroom. Yep. Lenny sleeps in our bedroom and he sleeps on Cam's side. So um, at night when he needed to be fed, when we were back at home, Cam would get him out and pass him to me, which just kind of took any strain off yeah. off me. Yeah, nice. And yeah, yeah, not as not as bad as I thought. It's, I mean, Lenny's five weeks tomorrow um, and it's a tiny bit tender, yeah. but I think that's probably when I'm maybe doing a bit too much. Yeah. So maybe doing, carrying his, um, carrying his capsule out to the car and things like that. Um, maybe when I'm putting a bit too much pressure on it, but I've just been going for really short walks, only 20 minutes at a time. Um, yeah. So trying to rest as much as possible, but then also trying to get up yeah. and, and keep my body moving when I can. Um, I think that's, was key for me to for my recovery awesome cool and what about your sort of emotional journey post-birth so did you have um any of the baby blues and I know that you've gone back to work so do you want to talk us through that decision and how that's sort of um yeah how that's impacted on your mental health yeah sure so um I didn't get baby blues uh I you know I, I really thought I would I thought I would um battle quite a lot with that but I didn't but I I really credit that to ha- sitting down with Cam and having you know a really good conversation with him around kind of what I expected from yep. him I guess um you know I was like we're a, we're a team we need to you know I need to lean on yep. you and you need to lean on me and in order for um everything to kind of the house to keep running and and me to keep my anxiety at bay so sitting down with him and saying well if if you can do this this and this um that would really help and so it's kind of like we had our both of our kind of tasks I guess or 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 whatever whatever it's called um that we knew that we would do each day so like Cam does the bath and um you know at night I get up I feed Lenny and I don't like Cam will pass him to me and go straight back to sleep so that in the morning um Lenny will get up I'll feed him around seven and then Cam will get up with him and then I can sleep in if I need to because he can exhausted from staying up with me all night so it was just those little things that I think helped us to keep everything um have kind of almost like a little routine which is I need for my mental yep. health I thrive off routine and I kind of need it to know kind of what's happening somewhat yep. um even though things don't always go to plan when you've got a newborn but um because because Lenny has is such a great sleeper he doesn't fuss he doesn't cry um which I'm extremely grateful for because that is not the case mm. for everyone but having such a chilled chilled out baby and then Cam is so chilled as well. Having him chill, I think it's just really yeah. helped me um, keep my mental health, you know, and and I guess great, and not not having my anxiety yeah. come back. Um, there was there was the odd day I had like a cry because the house was messy, <laughs> yeah. which is stupid, but that was kind of basically it. I guess my the only anxiety I had was around work, and I think if you know anyone who has their own business will understand, you can step away but not completely yeah. I've got, you know I've got staff that work for me 
Um, and I said, right, I've got three months off maternity leave. Message me if only if you really need me. Um, but I just can't help myself <laughs> and, and kind of was straight away back into at least looking at emails and, and checking in on, on the girls, um, which, you know, I, I think I was um, able to do that so soon because Lenny sleeps so yeah, much. Yeah. So I would get, you know, three hour stints of him being asleep and Cam was home because he had three weeks off and I could just jump mm. into the office at home and have Zoom calls with the girls, which again was great for, you know, my mental health because I love working and that's what helps me feel good. Um, So it was, uh, yeah, just it hasn't really been a juggle um, so far. But my my kind of one thing was like, oh, when when my three months is up and I'm going to go back, to work part-time, what's that going to look yeah. like? And is he going to go to daycare or is he, or will I get a nanny? Or, you know, my mum was going to um, look after Lenny when I went back to work, but then she went and got a job <laughs> two weeks ago. And I'm like, damn you, mum, <laughs> you. Um, so I've got my staff in a shared space where you can actually take um, babies yes. in. So I've had the odd day that I've gone in and taken Lenny with me and then, there's been other days where Cam has um, been able to work from home and had Lenny, and then I've got a friend who um, isn't uh, well was a nanny, and she isn't working full time at the moment, so she's been able to look after Lenny the odd days as well. Um, and so, yeah, I've been able to go into the office and do, you know, I mean, this week I've worked pretty much every day, um, but Lenny's either been with me or he's been with with my friend, and. Yeah, it's been good, and I think everything will kind of work out as it needs yeah. to. Um, when when I get to the three month mark and I go back part time, I'm not sure how that will look, um, but I know that everything will kind of work itself out, and you know I can I can work from home when I need as well. So that's also great. Um, yeah, so it's it's nice to be flexible because I have my own business, but at the same time I'm like, oh, it would be so great to work for someone else and be on that 12-month leave and not have to hear from anyone because there's someone doing my role. So I think there's definitely pros uh, pros and cons, cons to both. Um, but, I'm yeah, I'm really happy with how the little setup I've got going for now. Yeah. So we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And what about Lenny's arm? How has that healed and are you still having problems with it or is it pretty good now? Yeah, it's it's really good. It's it's you know amazing how resilient yeah, babies yeah. are and how fast things heal. You know, if if it was it was an adult and they broke their arm, we would be in a world yeah. of pain and taking pain meds, our arm in a cast for weeks. And you know, after around for the for the first few weeks, we had him in a singlet, a really tight singlet, and we pulled the bottom half of it up just to immobilize yeah. his arm. And uh, we would kind of not really be able to dress him properly because he only had one arm that could be used. So we would, it was a lot of swaddling. Um, and then each day we would kind of test it and touch it. And if he winced in pain, we were like, okay, not quite ready yet. But then it just got to one day and he started moving it. We were like, fab, okay, great. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, he's five weeks tomorrow. And I think, you know, after three, after two weeks, we were able, able to dress yeah. him normally. And after three weeks, it was kind of, he didn't wince or didn't cry. Um, but definitely, I think all that strain on his body, um, a lot of his muscles were really tense. And, and after going to the osteo today, she was like, oh, yeah, okay, he, he does need a little bit of work. And he really favors one yeah. side. So he turn, always turns his head the other way away from where right, his broken yeah. arm was. So for feeding, that can be a little, a little bit challenging. And um, she's just mindful of him always. The osteopath was really mindful of him not always sleeping on one side because she was like, he is a giant head and it's very heavy. <laughs> yeah. So um, just got to be careful about, about him not always sleeping on one side. But she did a lot of work on him today and that's really helped. And we go to Starship um, when he's six weeks old for an x-ray just to check up and make sure everything's healed properly but considering it was a break there's not really much that can be done um, because he for a baby and they you know every single doctor everyone that we spoke to was like 
it just heals yeah. by itself and it heals really quickly and it's it's so true um but yeah all good for now yeah awesome cool and just before we wrap up um I think I loved mm-hmm. that you mentioned before that you didn't feel like overly excited about being pregnant and I think it it needs to be talked about more that it's okay to feel that way. So I'd love for you to give um, a little bit of insight or advice to people listening who might be feeling the same way and are pregnant at the moment as to sort of how you feel now and how you've made that adjustment to mum life. And if it's sort of what you expected, I guess, while you were pregnant and maybe not feeling as excited as people who you might've known who were pregnant before. Yeah. So I think, you know, um, because it wasn't planned, maybe there was not that kind of sitting around and, yeah, and yeah. waiting every month and doing a pregnancy. Um, I knew I knew I'd always wanted children, but when I was pregnant, when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, hmm, I, I feel like I should be yeah. a lot more excited than I am. And I was like, is something wrong with me? Um, you know, and then I felt really ungrateful yeah. because there are so many women who can't get pregnant. And I was like, oh, am I a bad person? Um, and I can see why people don't talk about it because it is such a sensitive subject because, you know, people with fertility issues, it's absolutely horrendous. It's, it's awful. Um, and so that's probably why people just don't touch on it because they don't want to feel like they're offending someone. Um, but then I, you know, kind of did speak about it and there were so many women who were like, oh, I feel exactly the same. I feel exactly the same and I feel bad talking about it. Um, and I've kept it all inside and then that's from them keeping their feelings to themselves has had a really negative impact on their mental health. Um, so, you know, I think it's totally fine to not be excited. It's such a adjustment to find out that you are pregnant and you've got, you know, in nine months time, okay, you're going to have this little person that you've got to look after yeah. for the next 18 years. Um, and so just knowing that and, being at peace with that can be really challenging for some people. And it was yeah. to me, I, I was like, I'm not excited and okay, but that's, that's okay. And I know that that will come. Um, so I think I just tried to, I just kind of gave myself pep talks and I was like, okay, fine to not be excited. But when you have the baby, that excitement will yeah. eventually come. It may not be straight away. Um, it may take a little bit of time, but it will come. So I just kind of, told myself that and I really was at peace with that and and kind of that set me up for the rest of my pregnancy and just having no expectations around anything um just to not set myself up for kind of any disappointment and anything to with my pregnancy um even from feeling really sick um I was like okay cool I'm sick but in x amount of months I'm not going to be feeling sick so look forward to that um and that really helped me and just talking to people because I think you know so many women don't talk about it and I absolutely understand that but you'll be surprised at how many other people feel exactly as you because as when I spoke about it I the amount of conversations I had with women who were like I feel exactly the same I was like there are so many of us that feel this way so it's absolutely normal and don't feel like um, you're an ungrateful person because you're not because it is just a huge, and I'm still adjusting to it it's still so surreal that I have a child I I sometimes forget his name or I call him her um and I it just blows my mind that I have this little person who is totally dependent on me for every single thing and I made him I grow him and he's so delicious and cute and absolutely love him but it's still like while I had a baby like it's it blows my mind yeah no I think it's um an ongoing thing <laughs> yeah and right and a lot of you know in the in the movies you know people yeah. are pregnant they're like jumping up and down and so excited and and everything's happy and that's fantastic and if I had that hey great and then also when you have your baby um you know I didn't cry yeah, and I yeah. didn't feel that instant connection and love and I still don't I'm not at that obsessed stage yet, <laughs> like you are with Jay. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. Um, I'm not quite there yet, but I know that that will come. Yeah. Like I absolutely love Lenny and I adore him, but I'm yeah. I'm still getting to know him. I'm still like you're this little person now in my life, and I'm still getting to know who you are, and you're getting to know me. And he's still so new. Yeah. Like he's just started smiling, so I feel like we he's just starting to go. Oh. Oh, okay, 
you're my mummy and I'm and I'm getting a little back from him you know in the beginning it's just feeding sleeping yeah changing nappies feeding sleeping changing nappies and um now I'm getting a little bit back from him so I feel like we're kind of starting to make this little connection and you know I'm soon his little personality will come out and he'll start talking and um you know finding his voice and I'm really looking forward to all of those little milestones um and that's something that I knew that I, I was like, okay, if, if the, the, you know, the absolute love for him doesn't yeah. come straight away, I know that it will come and just to look forward to all the little, all the little things in between and just giving, I guess, giving yourself time to adjust and to settle into it. It's just yeah. so overwhelming. It is just, and nothing will, yeah. nothing can ever prepare you for, um, all the different yeah. feelings that you will feel when you have a baby. And it's, it's you like the baby is yeah. totally dependent on you to keep them warm and keep them happy and, and keep their tummies full. Um, and it's crazy. And you go from yeah. being totally selfish and not having to worry about anyone apart from yourself. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, you are like yeah. the baby is your number one priority. And, and I love, I love that. I love that I um, get to look after him and, um, you know, but I'm also glad that I am not um, so anxious that I don't, yeah. that I'm scared to have time away from him. So I've got, I've got that balance back, which for me is yeah. what I was probably yeah. most worried about, um, how I, how I would manage that. Yeah, so, I think, um, yeah. Yeah, five weeks and all going well. So I'm like, the wheels are going to fall off at some point. He is just too and too much of a good sleeper. So something is bound to happen. But um, I feel very grateful and lucky to have um, such a um, happy, healthy, and chilled out big baby. <laughs> and he makes, me, he makes me want another one straight away. I'm like, I want another one. Oh. Isn't it the weirdest thing? You're like, uh, you know, like I wasn't super excited to be pregnant. I hated my pregnancy. So I was like, I never want to do that again. And then I saw him and I was like, yeah, I'll just like give me my I mean, and Jai is absolutely delicious. I can see why you wouldn't use But I can, I, I really resonate with what you say about like you're getting to know this person, this baby. And I felt this like overwhelming feeling of protection um, I think was the best word for it. Like I wanted him to be safe and I wanted to protect him, but I was the same. I didn't feel this immediate, like overwhelming feeling of love that some people talk about. And I think it sets us up for failure or feeling like something's wrong when actually that's totally normal. And you've grown this baby inside of you for nine months, but that doesn't mean that when they come out all of a sudden, like, you know, everything about them and you love them like more than anything else. It's sort of, yeah, it's a growing thing. And I think, um, I think I interviewed Whitney off, she's champagne chores on Instagram and she said that she thinks you're either a newborn mum or a toddler mum and I know Jai's not a toddler like he's not a toddler yet but I I feel such a connection to him now and I'm utterly obsessed (laughs) with him and it's such a different feeling to when he was this tiny baby so I just yeah I resonate with everything that Mm, you've just said yeah it is it's just it's like when you meet someone and and you know you've got to got to kind of get to know them and even more so with the baby you're like you can't talk like what are you thinking? Um, you're just they're just take, take 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 from you. So it's it's so nice to um, yeah. Now that he's starting to smile, it's really cute and just be like that, that over top like hi hi to try and get it to smile. And I'm definitely all the stereotypes that you hear about mums. I'm like that is me. Um, you know, oh like just every, everything about mums. I'm like yep, that's me. Like here and it we're in a top of milk everywhere I did not realize how much milk I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm just like covered I'm like is this sweat or milk and I'm I'm not yeah. sure what's going on here <laughs> yeah. um, so there's so many things that you don't know um which is crazy but it's all yeah. part of this amazing um journey and I definitely would not have it any other way yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jules, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us. I think um, there's heaps of information in there that people will love hearing. So, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your beautiful story with us and beautiful little Mm -hmm. Lenny. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks again to Meg from Made With Love Pregnancy Journals for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback, so either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.